my family. And the thing about God's blessings is oftentimes we don't have to look too far to figure out that he's been blessing us. He's faithful. He's kind and merciful. Think about how he placed food on your your table every day this week. I don't know. I look around. I don't think we're missing too many meals. He put clothes on your back, put gas in your car. Might not have been a whole lot, but it was enough to get you here this morning. Glory be to God for the great and wonderful things that he has done. Amen. Well, praise God for his Baptist church to be with you once again in worship on this Lord's Day. Now, I don't know about you, but there's something about Sunday mornings that I really look forward to. I look forward to worshiping with the saints, my brothers and sisters in Christ. There's something about the gathered church when we come together gives you that energy, that, that boost. You know, sometimes you, you have a low energy. You got to go to the doctor and get that B12 shot sometimes. I know you come in on Sunday mornings and sometimes you may be dragging. May have been a long week, but you know what? Sunday is a new day. A new week is just beginning. And what a way to begin this new week, this Lord's Day, to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Amen. Indeed, it's a privilege and honor to be with you once again, Forest Baptist Church, until all of our guests want to welcome you. And uh, and worship with us this morning. Glad to have you. I pray that the Lord will do something marvelous within your hearts and your minds, that you will leave this place transformed and changed, both now and forevermore. This week we are celebrating our. This is homecoming week for us. Amen. Praise God. As we are preparing to celebrate our sesquicentennial anniversary, 150 years of gospel ministry next Sunday. And everything kicks off today. After service, we will be having our pre-anniversary banquet. And just some clarification, there was a miscommunication in the time. The, bank, the banquet is actually beginning at 3 o'clock today. So I apologize for any type of scheduling uh, conflicts that that caused for you. But... Uh, the banquet will begin at 3 o'clock from 3 to 5 at Hotel Louisville. And I was informed that there are a few more tickets, but y'all better get there early because we about to sell out this boy. So it's the place you, you want to be. So we do have a few tickets. We'll be selling them at the door. Uh, any questions, comments, concerns, see Sister Kim, and she will uh, take care of that as well. Um, also, this Thursday, we will be having a pre-anniversary worship service this Thursday beginning at 6 p.m. And we are celebrating our anniversary with none other than Pastor Jamal Williams and Sojourn Community Church. And we look forward to having uh, him preach, but also we look forward to having the Sojourn uh, worship band come and lead us some songs. But not only that, we will be having our worship, well, yeah, a worship reunion choir, the Newburgh Choir, uh, is put in, putting together a reunion choir, and they will be here to sing songs as well. And I believe we'll have some refreshments at 6 o'clock. Is that right? Amen. I got the hand wave. So make sure you're here, and you will have some refreshments as well. 
taking place this Saturday will be our church anniversary picnic. That'll be from noon to 5 p.m., and there will be a whole lot of games and fun uh, in that as well. So make sure you come out, bring your family, bring your friends. We'll be out back here. Uh, we'll have some various tents with different activities set up. I think we're going to have some bouncers. We're going to need somebody to man that bouncer station because, you know, them kids get kind of crazy. So we need some help with that. But we look forward to seeing you there. But then on next Sunday, I am so excited that we do celebrate our sesquicentennial anniversary. And we will have uh, Dr. Robert Smith in the house preaching for us. Phenomenal man of God. I'm so grateful that he uh, received our invitation and he will be in the midst next week. So with all of that said, don't none of this matter if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. So as we look at the text this morning, I want to remind you that we may be here 150 years, but apart from Christ, it means nothing at all. So I want to make sure that as we are celebrating this homecoming week, that we have the right focus headed into this week. And I wanted us to be mindful to take our, our gaze off ourselves, which we so easily do, and place our gaze on Jesus Christ. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles or on your devices to Matthew, the 16th chapter, the Gospel of Matthew in your New Testament. We'll be beginning with verse 13. Matthew, the 16th chapter, beginning with the 13th verse. Would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's word this morning? This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjon, and for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I'd like to place a tag on the text for us this morning. Who's building here? Who's building here? Let us look to the Lord in prayer this morning. Oh, gracious and eternal Father, we come before you recognizing that you are worthy of our total praise. So, Father, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will cause us to cease and desist from thinking about ourselves and begin to think and contemplate on you. To think about and consider and reflect, up, reflect upon the shed blood of Jesus Christ. To reflect upon your goodness in sending us a Savior for when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Jesus came. Not only did he come, but he lived a life that we could not live, died the death that we deserve. And now through him, we have reconciliation with you, O oh God. May we never take that for granted. 
And Father, thank you so much that you not only saved us, but you seal us through your Holy Spirit and you keep us. You are near to us. You lead us. You guide us. You direct us. You keep us from foolishness, from ourselves, our worst enemy. Father, you convict us of sin and show us how filthy and miserable we are apart from your grace and your mercy. So, Father, I ask that you would have mercy upon us and send your Holy Spirit that we would see Jesus clearly this day. May you open up our ears that we will hear your word and receive it with great joy and adulation. Lord, may your word take root into our hearts and bear forth much fruit. Father, for the one who is under the crushing weight of life, dear God, I ask that you would cause them to cast their cares upon you right now. Father, whatever distractions, whatever hindrances are there right now in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would remove them, that they would hear your word and be delivered. And Father, even as we are celebrating our sesquicentennial anniversary, Lord, we are nothing apart from Jesus Christ. So may we set our gaze upon the cross of Jesus Christ and you risen victorious. And understand that we are nothing apart from you. So, Lord, we ask that you would have your way in this worship service this morning. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we are in an era of unprecedented technological advancement. And human achievement, if you reflect even upon the last 100 years, you will see quite a few marvels in technology, just how quickly things have changed. Just think about in your lifetime how things have changed. I was just watching television with the children the other day, and they told me that they just wouldn't watch TV if it was in black and white. Like, you just wouldn't watch it at all? Nope. These modern marvels point to man's achievement and how God has instructed our minds. But if we're not careful, we're so quick to give human progress and look at it as if man has done it himself. We can look at human achievement and think that we have somehow did this on our own. And instead of getting, giving God the glory, we begin to give ourselves the glory, ourselves a pat on the back. If you look at the culture amongst us, it's, it's as if, if, if God does not exist and we're just living on our own, doing our own thing, our own, our own strength, and our own power, by our own might, for our own glory. This is a reflection of what we see on social media. That's why social media reigns so closely to us and why it's so popular, because it gives us the platform to say, look at me, instead of look at God. And if we're not careful, this same type of human achievement will will creep up in our minds and in our hearts, and we will begin to believe that we've done something here. You don't have to look too far to see and, 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 and to be reminded that humans will always look to themselves for achievement. When you think back to Genesis, the 11th chapter, where, where man all of a sudden began to, to rise up and become strong, the text tells us that now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. 
for, for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Beloved, if we're not cautious, this same ode to human achievement will creep up in the church where we will begin to say, let us build to ourselves a mountain. Let us build unto ourselves a tower and let us make a name for ourselves. If we're not careful, we will leave this place and say, let's make a name for Forest Baptist Church in this neighborhood. Let us update our sound system so we sound real good. So we can hear ourselves talk a little bit better. Let us redecorate the building so we can pat ourselves on the back and tell people, look how good our building looks. We can begin to pursue achievement ourselves. See, don't hear what I'm not saying. There's a time and a place where you reflect upon the achievements that you have made, but not because of who you are, but because of who he is and what God has accomplished in and through your life and what God has accomplished and is accomplishing here at Forest Baptist Church. So don't hear what I'm not saying. If you got to brag, the the word of God said, if you're going to boast, let your boast not be in your wisdom. Let your boast not be in your mind. Let your boast not be in your strength. But let the one who boasts, boast on this, that he, he knows me. That he knows the Lord. So, so our boast is that God is faithful to us. Look what he has done. And celebrating 150 years, it would be easy to look at ourselves and take the credit. To look back on our forefathers and give them credit. Don't you know my uncle built this church? Don't you know what they donated? But I'm just here to remind us this morning that without Jesus, nothing is possible. And when I say nothing is possible, I'm not just talking about Forest Baptist Church. I'm talking about any church. Because if the text says, Jesus says, I will build my church, no church would exist apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus' words this morning remind us who built the church. Jesus built the church, and Jesus is doing the work here. Any church that is building on anything else besides Jesus or thinks that by their hand the church is being built will fall. Without Jesus, there is no church. And I'm excited and happy about what God has done here because God has brought us far as a local gathering of the body of Christ. But if at any point we begin depending on ourselves rather than depending on Jesus, we are doomed to fail. Forrest, let me tell you, stop looking at ourselves. Stop looking in the mirror sometime. Don't read our own press clippings. We don't have to remember we did not make it this far on ourselves. We made it this far by faith. I'm reminded of the psalmist in Psalm 127 where he says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Beloved, what I want us to understand today is that 
because Jesus is building his church, Jesus must be central in our church. See, because our church is his church. This place don't belong to us. That pew don't belong to you. That parking spot ain't yours. All of this belongs to Jesus. And not only those pews and parking spots, but your own body belongs to Jesus. If you have trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, the text tells us plainly that you have been bought with a price. You are not your own. Jesus is both fabricator and foundation of his church, weaving together the fabric of his church with his people. And to set our minds upon and hearts upon Jesus this morning, for the rest of our time, I just want us to look at that statement and, and to walk through it. Jesus is both fabricator and foundation of his church, weaving together the fabric of his church with his people. Take the first part of that statement and where we see that Jesus is the fabricator of his church. In this text here in Matthew, the 16th chapter, it is so theologically rich. And this text before us has has caused so much stir in in the religious community. There are so many people who get caught up in the details and they mix the big picture. Don't miss what's important here. In this text see the centrality of Jesus through his own words. I will build my church. The centrality of Christ is in the midst of this text. And when we see Jesus saying in his own words, I will build my church, that personal pronoun makes it it very clear, very plain. Who's building here? Jesus is the chief architect and builder of his church. Jesus himself has laid hold of the responsibility of building his church. Jesus is the initiator. He's the instigator. He's the the worker and the finisher of the task. From eternity past, our triune God has had a plan. From eternity past, God has decided that Jesus Christ himself would come down, be born of a virgin, would live a sinless life. He would live this sinless life in order to be the supreme sacrifice. He would heal the blind. Make the lame walk. Give the deaf hearing, all pointing to who he was and what his purpose was. Jesus called to himself disciples in order to train them that they would establish the church. Jesus spent time with his disciples, pouring into them for over three years. Every minute, every moment of his day, he was pouring into these men in order that they would establish the church. Everything that Jesus has done was to establish his church and to glorify himself. Jesus sends out his disciples to establish the church. The church. Heaven's outposts on earth. Jesus has been doing all of this in order that the church will be established and that through the church, this world will be transformed. And the reason that it is Jesus who is building the church and not me, and the reason why Jesus is building church is not you is because Jesus is the only one qualified to do the work. His resume 
is the only one that says, I can do the job. When we look at the church, it's easy to say, oh, look at that pastor over there. He's building a great church. He's building a great ministry. Look what this pastor building. Look at such and such. And it's easy to take our eyes off of the fact that it's Jesus building the church, not that pastor. Sometimes in in church planting circles, uh, the church planting can get caught up on on. On, on their ability and their giftings and what they can do to establish the church. But apart from Jesus, they ain't establishing anything. Even when I have conversations now when people, I mean, they mean well. And they ask questions like, how's your church? And I always, ah, I, always have, I, I know what they mean. And I answer, but. When everyone say, says, how's your church? I'm like, you don't know, this is not my church. This church was bought by the blood of Jesus. I haven't died for nobody. I haven't shed a drop. And even if I shed a drop, my blood is not righteous enough to transform the broken destitute and to make them righteous, to imputate upon them a righteousness that's alien to themselves. Jesus Christ alone owns the church and on his resume Jesus alone is able to build the church see you can't just walk up to city hall and get a building permit to build the church you have to have a special permit in John the 12th chapter we see why Jesus is able to build his church in John the 12th chapter in the 32nd verse he says and I not you not me said and I when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself. He didn't say when I, uh, when, 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 the, when the pastor lifts himself up, when the deacons lift themselves up, he says, when I be lifted up, because Jesus uh, is explaining that only he can be lifted up in such, in such a way that when he goes to Calvary's cross, something is taking place. Something divine and supernatural is taking place. The sins of the world is being pressed upon his back at that moment. And because the sins are being uh, ripped apart, disposed to that land of nevermore, only Jesus can build the church. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, that was his exaltation and our redemption. The cross coupled with his resurrection and his ascension uniquely qualifies Jesus to to build his church. Were you hung on that cross? Then you ain't building this church. Did you get up from the grave after three days? Then you ain't building this church. Did you ascend up to glory on the cloud? Uh, Then you ain't building this church. And we can get uh, uh, high on ourselves sometimes because we do things right sometimes and begin to think that we're building the church. But beloved, if Jesus is not building, nothing's getting built. Jesus builds because Jesus was broken. Yes, Jesus may use us to do his will here on earth, but we're not the ones building here. Sometimes we act like Jesus needs us. You know they need me over there. 
You know all I do for that church? They ain't said thank you yet. Oh, no, I don't get paid. Like Jesus needs us. You know, as the Lord had been dealing with me these years in ministry, I, I had a, 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 a sinful sometimes frustration that I wanted to leave my job so bad and just go into full-time ministry. So the pastors understand what I'm talking about. This, this, this holy discontentment because I knew that God was calling me to the ministry full-time, yet God still required me to to deliver excellence on my job, but there was this rub and this frustration, and, and I say it was sinful sometimes because it was sinful sometimes because I would think, well, well, only if I was in ministry full times, I could do this. If I was in ministry full time, then I could do that. And it was as if I was saying, Lord, you don't know what you're doing. If you would have freed me up, then I'd be able to do more for you. But he was saying, I don't need you in ministry right now. I need you to be preparing yourself for ministry. You ain't ready yet. You think you're ready for ministry, but you ain't ready. You got to go through the fire a little bit more. So no matter where we are, God wants to use you where you are in order so he can use you in the future. If Jesus is doing the building, don't think he needs us. He says, I will build my church. He doesn't say the pastor will build his church or the deacons or ministry leaders. But he, and he doesn't say the congregation will build his church. He is building his church. Only Jesus can build. And just as Jesus was lifted up on the cross, when Jesus is lifted up here, he will continue to build his church. When the name of Jesus is lifted up here in the pulpit, he builds. When the name of Jesus is lifted up in the choir stand, he builds. When Jesus' name is lifted up in the classroom, he builds. When, when the name of Jesus is lifted up in the nursery, he builds. When it's lifted up in the kitchen, he builds. When it's lifted up in the foyer, he builds. When it's lifted up in the office, he builds. And when it's lifted up in the parking lot on your way out, when somebody just caught you off, he builds. When the name of Jesus is lifted up, he gets the work done. So sometimes we just got to stop working so hard and just start lifting up the name of Jesus. Not our name, his name. I told you I just stopped by to remind us while we was doing this. Jesus is the fabricator, but then also Jesus is the foundation of his church. Jesus' words to Peter here, they're, they're not trite words. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, this verse has been subject of uh, much debate. I don't plan on getting to that this morning, but later we will when we study the church. But this morning, I just want to say that uh, what is taking place is Jesus is both affirming Peter's special role in establishing the church. Not papal secession, but we, we see that Peter had a special work taking place in the book of Acts. Much was done through Peter. But then we also see Jesus affirming the confessional statement of Peter when Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, Peter is confessing Jesus's divine position as the savior of the whole world. 
Peter's confession, and this in and of itself is a compact gospel statement. He says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who will come down 42 generations in order to save his people. He will bear their sins upon his back, and he will usher in a new kingdom because he has a new commandment in his blood, and he will do a new thing. This Messiah, redemption would be through him. But then also, he is not just a man. He's the son of the living God. He's not, 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 as, a, not as in like baby boy, son, but he is unique. He is of his essence. He is of, as the same as God. This, this God-man has come in order to establish his kingdom and his reign. That's the gospel in itself, that Jesus came to save sinners like ourselves, from sin. That's what Peter's saying. The Messiah, the Son of the Living God, not a man, not an ordinary person, but God Himself. Have you ever thought about that sometime? You so sinful, you so broke down, I'm so miserable that it took God Himself to save us. You don't think about that sometime. And your mama couldn't save you, your grandma couldn't save you, your granddad, your, your uncle who was a deacon can't save you, but God Himself had to save you from your mess. But because God Himself saved you from your mess, the mess is all gone in Christ Jesus. Peter's confessing this gospel, and it's upon that rock of the gospel, Jesus Christ, that the church is built on. He's the foundation of the church. Looking at some verses just to understand this rock, Psalm 18, 2 says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield. And the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Deuteronomy 32, 3 and 4 says, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Looking at the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 3 and 11, it says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. Jesus, he's the foundation of the church. The foundation upon which the church is built. So when Jesus is the foundation, whatever is being built will be blessed. When Jesus is the foundation, whatever is being built will be strong. When Jesus is the foundation, whatever is being built will stand. I don't have to Remind you, but in recent weeks, we've seen these, a number of natural disasters, not only in America, landslides, earthquakes. And in seeing these natural disasters, we see the importance of having a firm foundation. Any home that did not have a firm foundation was doomed to be crushed under the weight of this natural disaster. Don't you know that your sin is a natural disaster? waiting to crush you, to kill you, to blow up everything that you think you possess. But yet, God, the rock of our salvation, is able to give you a firm foundation upon which we stand. If we ever move from Jesus, we are doomed to fail. 
The reason why many churches have become so fragile and fragmented and frail is because their foundation has not been built on the solid rock of Jesus. There's a reason why we should sing on Christ, the solid rock I stand. Because all of the ground is sinking, saying there's a reason why we preach Jesus here. There's a reason why we teach Jesus here. Because if we talk and preach anything else, we will be doomed and damned to fail. We're not going to preach gimmicks. We're not going to preach human works. We're not going to sell you uh, some oil, uh, a cloth you can wipe your your head with that's going to sanctify you. We're not playing games. We are preaching Jesus because a number of souls are falling into hell every day. And as Pastor Jimmy read, if the gospel is not preached, people won't be saved. When the local assembly of believers begin to move away from the gospel, they're in for trouble. See, you, you, you'll know when Jesus is your foundation. See, Jesus is your foundation when the gospel matters the most. See, I ain't going to meddle too much, but if, if, if the color of the chairs matter most to you, I don't know if the gospel is your foundation. If when you walk in, you're worried if somebody's sitting in your seat, I don't know if the gospel is your foundation. If you're worried about uh, uh, who's teaching today or who's preaching today and you're not just showing up, I don't know if the gospel is your foundation. If you're worried about, if you see someone across the room and you got beef and you go the other way, I don't feel like talking to them today. They get on my nerves. I'm not quite sure the gospel is your foundation. Because when the gospel is your foundation, everything else pales in comparison. So what they said that about you. So what it looks like that? Are we going to praise Jesus today? Are we going to sing about Jesus today? Are we going to talk about Jesus today? Then that's what matters most. If you're mad about anything in the church and it has nothing to do with the gospel, then your foundation is not built upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like what they say. And you may be right. And I may be valid. Is it a gospel issue? Is it a gospel issue? Jesus is the fabricator. He's the foundation. But look at this. Jesus' people is the fabric of his church. See, any structure that is put together is done so with certain building materials. Roads are built with concrete and asphalt. Cars are built with metal and plastics. Homes are built with bricks and wood. Uh, I have a son who has a backpack even made out of Capri Suns. But churches are made out of people. We've been talking about the church. Let me explain what Jesus is talking about here. This this word that he uses for church. This is the first time we even see this word in the New Testament, and it it means a called-out assembly or called-out ones. This term, uh, church, denotes the New Testament community of the redeemed, and it's twofold aspect. When when, when we talk about the church, it's twofolds. It's all who were ever called by and to Christ in the fellowship. 
of his salvation, the, the, the church, capital C, worldwide of all times. Sometimes we call this the Catholic Church. Don't get that confused with the Roman Catholic Church. That's something completely different. The Catholic Church is the universal church. But then secondly, this word refers to the local assembly, the individual church. This word refers to Forest Baptist Church, this, this local body of Christ. And, and, and yes, we are assembled in this building, but it's those who have the singular common confession of Christ who are the church. So you can't just show up to the church and be the church. You got to know the builder in order to be the church. We are heaven's outpost. Uh, we are the church, the people, not, the, not the, the wood and not the structures, but the people who show up week after week out of love for Jesus. See, the church of our Lord and Jesus Christ is not about uh, buildings. It's about a body. This is our focus this morning. And the question we must answer is, is Jesus building this church or are we trying to build this church? Jesus is both fabricator and foundation of his church, weaving together the fabric of his church with his people. So because Jesus is the fabricator and the foundation and we are his fabric, there's some implications that come out of that. Quickly, I want to give you three implications that I see. Because Jesus is building the church, Jesus must be central in our purposes. What does that mean? Why we do what we do is because of who Jesus is. Jesus is central to why we exist. The church exists to make, to mark, and to mature disciples for Jesus Christ. If those are our purposes, then we have to think about we, are, we have a mission to uphold. We are to go and make disciples for Jesus Christ. If that's not our central purpose, if that's not our central goal, then we are missing the mark of why Jesus built the church in the first place. We are to go, to, to share, to, to reap a harvest because of what Jesus is doing and what he has already done. There's this external reason why we exist, but then there's an internal reason of why we exist in our purposes. Jesus is central to why we show up. Why did you come to worship today? Do you show up for church or do you show up for Jesus? We come because the, the lamb was slain for us. And we come because he is worthy of all worship. He is worthy of all honor, all praise for what he has already accomplished. We come for Jesus. So because Jesus is building the church, Jesus, he must be central in our purposes. But not only that, because Jesus is building the church, Jesus must be central in our plans. See, when you put feet to purposes, the result is plans. The things that we decide we're going to do needs to be because of Jesus and not because we just want to be famous. Not because we want members. Not because we want to get paid. No, we do what we do because Jesus says, do this. Go ye therefore and make disciples. What we plan to do as a church 
It's because of why we, that's, that's why we exist. See, but we can get busy and be focused on ourselves rather than Jesus. Curtis Woods told the man at the marriage retreat, see, you can be busy all the time and not be taking care of business. So if you're going to be busy, you might as well take care of business. Sometimes we, we can be frustrated because we don't receive what we think we deserve or what we want. But Jesus must be central to our plans here at Forge Baptist Church. But lastly, the third implication, because Jesus is building the church, this is the most important. Jesus must be central in our people. Jesus must be central to you if this church is going to do anything for Christ. If we don't love Jesus, if we don't look to Jesus, if we go an entire week not thinking about Jesus, not praying about, to Jesus, not reading his word, if, if we don't care about community, like I can't stand church folks, but aren't you a church folk? So you ain't got no church friends. Then Jesus says, well, we would know one another by our love for one another. You don't love no Christians. The church can't be the church until the people of God be the people of God. We have to love Jesus in order for the church to love Jesus. And until we have a deep thirst and hunger for the righteousness that only Jesus provides, then our wheels would just be spinning. And we just a religious organization and not the church of Jesus Christ. Weekly tithes is not your dues. Weekly tithes is an act of worship to Jesus. The centrality of Jesus in our church begins with the centrality of Jesus in our own hearts. You know, the illustration has been used before and is used many times that going to a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going into a garage makes you a car. And we can fool ourselves thinking that God wants us to act a certain way or talk a certain way. But God doesn't want you to act a certain way and talk a certain way. God wants you to be in a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And the way that you enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is to repent. You turn from your sin. That's a Bible word that means you just turn around from doing what you're doing. And you trust in the fact that he has come, that he is the Messiah, son of the living God, that he died for your sins that he stood in your place, that you deserve death, but Jesus took your punishment. He stood in your place, and you thereby receive his righteousness because of his sinless life. That's the gospel. That's what we preach, that you can't be accepted by God by what you do. You can't be accepted by God because you got baptized. You can't be accepted by God because you take the Lord's Supper. You can't be accepted by God because you're nice to old ladies crossing the street. You are only accepted by God when Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. On that day in judgment, when you stand before God face to face and he says, why should I let you in my heaven? You can't say because my daddy went to church, because my grandma went to church, because my homeboy, my homegirl, my wife, my husband went to church. You can only say, I, I stand here, I don't deserve it, but because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his supreme sacrifice that is the only way I can stand before you so being a Christian is not about being good it's about who you know have you trusted Christ today because that's what the church is built on Jesus Christ crucified, and 
on our behalf. Because Jesus is building a church, Jesus must be central in our church. Jesus is both fabricator and foundation of his church, weaving together the fabric of his church with his people. Because Jesus is building the church, Jesus must be central in our purposes, in our plans, and in our people. So as we point our ass to Jesus, we ask the question, who's building here? Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for your mercy and your kindness and your grace that is from everlasting to everlasting. Lord, have mercy upon us. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for every wrong thought, for ever thinking that we were worthy enough to build this place apart from you. Father, forgive us for our sins, for being selfish and self-centered in the very place that you, you, you are using to, to, to make disciples for your name and for your glory. Father, forgive us for any moment that we have lived for our own glory. And we ask that you would make yourself known today by the power of your Holy Spirit, infusing someone's heart, transforming someone from the inside out, allowing them to run forward and ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, I ask that you would have mercy upon us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, apart from you, we would not have made it 150 years, dear God. And Lord, I ask that you would give us 150, 200 years more, Lord, until you return. May you use Forest Baptist Church to be a gospel witness in this community and among the nations. Lord, forgive us for pride. Forgive us for thinking that we can make our way to you on our own strength. Lord, I ask that you would rescue one today. They would recognize their sin. They would turn towards Jesus by faith, turn from themselves. Lord, I thank you for your word. May we continue to build upon Jesus Christ and your gospel. In Jesus' precious holy name we do pray. Amen.